0: If you could know how you were going to die and when you were going to die, would you want to know that information? Mm. Uh, some, some weirdos here saying you yeah, had like to know. No, you wouldn't want to know that. I mean, especially if it was going to be particularly gruesome and barbaric, you would want to know. And the incredible thing about Jesus is Jesus knew. Jesus knew everything that was coming in detail. He knew all the implications of what was heading his way. You know, I guess the other question to ask would be if you knew you were going to die tomorrow, what would you do tonight? Who would you spend your evening with? Who would you invite to have round for a meal? What would you say to them? What would you do as a memorable act so that it was forever emblazoned in their minds that they would remember you for? But well, these are all the considerations that Jesus had when it came to this epic moment in John's gospel where this is the, the last point of Jesus' life, hours before his betrayal, arrest, crucifixion, and then three days later, his resurrection. And this is who Jesus spent his time with his disciples in this, the Last Supper. It's interesting, um, John's gospel at this point tit- turns a corner, this is now from chapter, all the first four, 12 chapters are all about Jesus' interactions with the world but from chapter 13 onwards he now narrows down and this is now what he says to his disciples the people who who have bought into him people who have said yeah we're going to follow you this is now his interactions with the inner core and we're going to get an inside view into that and some of the crucial things he sets out for us as he prepares for the cross things he wants us to know things he wants us to grasp it's interesting on the 89, 89 chapters in the new in the gospels of those 89 chapters in the Gospels, 30 of those chapters relate to the last week of Jesus' life. It's amazing, isn't it? 30 of the 80. So a third of the Gospels' chapters relate to the last week of Jesus' life. And that's incredible. Jesus only lasted a brief 33 years. And then only in three years of ministry did he minister. And in those three years of ministry, we would undoubtedly say, and historians would undoubtedly say, that Jesus has made more of an impact than any other person who's ever lived. And yet, it wasn't just the three years. It was that last week of his life. It was the build-up to the cross that the Gospels focus a third of their chapters in on. The Gospel of John, indeed, focuses even more than a third of, the, of its attention in on that last 50% of John's Gospel is about the last week of Jesus' life. Why? Because it was the focus. Why? Because it was the purpose of his coming into the world. And it's what God wants us to grasp as we're going on this journey. Okay, so I've got three simple things to t- talk to you about. And it's all around Jesus and how he impacts our lives today. So the first thing I want to say is this. That Jesus uh, the, Jesus shows us humility. Uh, John chapter 13 verses 1 to 5. Jesus speaking to his disciples. It was before the Passover festival... He took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel with which he was wrapped. It's interesting. Look what it says. It says, Jesus knowing that the father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God, and he was returning to God knowing that he had all things had been given to him from the Father, he'd come from God, and he was doing to God. You know, in one sense, we could say, well, that's a bit like us, in that we will go to God when we die. Is that what he's meaning? But the idea of coming from God, we can't relate to that, because we didn't pre-exist our birth. We, we started existence at the point of birth. Jesus existed before birth. He describes himself as coming into the world. Isaiah talks about, this. front us, a child is born. We can relate to that. So are we. But then it says, front us, a son is given. And that's different. He pre-existed birth. He was the eternal son of God given into the world. So Jesus came into the world. So he's not just talking about a typical human existence here. It's not like, oh yeah, we'll go to God. No, it's not like that. He's actually talking about his divinity. He said, all things has been given into my hands by the Father. What's that? He's literally talking about how he is one with the Father. We believe God is Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is none other than God. And this is what he's saying in this verse. He's none other than God with full dominion. All things have been given to him. After his resurrection, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So he's God. He's God. And it's it's, described in Revelation. Revelation 5, verse 13. To him who sits in the throne and to the Lamb. Be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Notice putting the lamb, Jesus, on a par with God. To him who sits in the throne and to the lamb. Wow. I mean, only that statement could relate to the lamb if the lamb himself was fully God. Jesus is God. It says in another part in Revelation that the lamb who's in the midst of the throne. You have to understand, God would not share his throne with anyone. And yet Jesus in the midst of the throne describes Jesus as fully God and fully man. So Jesus is saying here, knowing that all things have been given into my hands, knowing that I've come from God, I'm going to God. In other words, I am God. I'm one with the Father and with the Spirit. And then what does he do? Knowing these things, he wraps himself and he starts to serve them. That's incredible. Uh, Apparently, a, a birthday celebration at the Royal Festival Hall an elderly former actor called Lady Diana Cooper fell into conversation with a very friendly woman who seemed to know her quite well. Now, Lady Diana's uh, eyesight was failing, and so she was not able to see properly who she was speaking to. Uh, but as she, as she gazed closer, she saw these incredible this diamond necklace, and she suddenly realized that she was speaking to none other than Queen Elizabeth. And overcome with embarrassment, she said, "'Oh, I beg your pardon, ma'am. Uh, "'I didn't recognize you without your crown.'" And I think that's what it's like with Jesus. Jesus had come into this world and he just, he lived like an ordinary man, except he did extraordinary things. He said some incredible things and he died incredibly and he rose again. But in every other way, he looked human. Uh, And yet he was fully and is fully God. It's incredible. Charles Spurgeon said, he that made man was made man. God took on flesh. And he says, having known that everything had been given to him from the father he took off his outer garment he wrapped himself around and it says he washed the disciples feet here is God the creator of everything no I mean it's, you don't know see the irony having known that he's God he washes their feet I mean how does that two work together This omnipresent, this omniscient, this omnipotent, this incredible, majestic, no one can compare to him, God, is now washing feet. That's incredible. The contrast is huge. Philippians 2 verse 5 to 7 describes this. It says, you must have the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Though he was God, he did not think that of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took on a humble position of a slave. So God humbled himself. And in this moment with his disciples, in this last, the night before he died, uh, he's demonstrating in a very vivid way to them that he has come to serve God, the creator, taken on flesh, now serving those human beings. Incredible, mind-blowing. No other God, no other false God of the nations is like this God, the true God, who would serve humanity. Unbelievable. You know, the question I've got is, well, why did no one else wash their feet? You know, if if they're already sitting there, they're sitting around the table, they've all got dirty feet. Why by this point? Because usually by that point, they would have had their feet washed before they got to that stage in the meal. They're sitting down having it eaten, right? Why would no one have washed their feet until now? It could have been because of a dispute that had been going on among them. If you look in Luke's gospel and and one of the other gospels, you see that the disciples were discussing, it says in verse 24, Luke chapter 22, verse 24, a dispute arose, it also arose among them as to which of them was to to be considered the greatest. So the disciples were all, I'm better than you. No, I'm better than you. And they're they're kind of figuring out who's the best of the disciples. And it it might well have been that with that in their minds, you imagine they're all kind of full of themselves and they realize their feet are dirty, but I'm not going to wash each other. I'm not going to wash someone's feet. Because that, I mean, that would be just saying that you're better than me. It, it might have, because actually that was, if you look in Luke's, Luke 22, it was the context of the Last Supper that they were having this debate. They were discussing among themselves, who's the greatest in the presence of God? Right? It's just nuts. And, and then they're, they're probably thinking, I'm not going to wash that person's feet because if I do that, they'll think, okay, I won the argument. See, you, I'm better than you. So having no one washed their feet, Jesus saw the moment and he washed their feet, that God the creator was washing feet. He was teaching them that true greatness and servanthood are synonymous. If you want to be a truly great person, be a servant. That's a big truth. That's a big truth. Good leadership isn't about getting folks to follow you. Good leadership is about serving people. And loving people and empowering people rather than overpowering people. That's godly, Christ-like leadership. Matthew twenty, verse twenty-six to twenty-eight, Jesus said, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Notice he doesn't just rebuke them for the desire to be great, he just tells them he's the right way of doing it. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, an individual has not started living until he can rise above the narrow confines of his individualistic concerns to the broader concerns of all humanity. Life's most urgent and pertinent question is, what are you doing for others? Everyone can be great because everyone can serve. So here Jesus who is God, knowing that all things have been given to him from the Father, wash their feet. It's mind-blowing. And they, they forever remember that lesson. Having bickering about who was the most important, they realized the most important thing that anyone can do. The most important person is the person who can serve others. Okay, so we understand something about his humility. And then we understand something about the salvation that he offers. This is verse 6 onwards. So he's washing their feet, and then he he says, and he came to Simon Peter, and he said to him, and Simon said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, why do uh, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter? Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you will have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. See, this whole scenario where Jesus was uh, interacting with his disciples in this last supper actually isn't just as simple as it seems at first glance. It isn't just a a practical act. Okay, your feet are dirty. No one else is going to do it. I'll wash your feet. It wasn't just as simple as that. There was a massive amount of symbolism taking place in what was happening. Even the very act was speaking of something bigger that was happening in that moment in history. It was a symbolism. Okay, even the fact that he said, having realized that everything's been given to me from God, it says he laid aside his outer garment... And he wrapped himself around and washed his feet. Even that was symbolic. It was symbolic of, I'm laying aside my divine privileges. And I'm taking on human form to serve humanity. That was what that spoke of. And now when it's speaking of him washing the disciples' feet, he wasn't just talking about, I need to wash your feet, Peter, because you've got dirty feet. He was talking about something far greater, far more significant. Jesus says, he who is bathed needs only wash his feet. But he is completely clean and you are clean, he says. You see, dirt equals sin. That's the picture. Dirt speaks of earthliness. Dirt speaks of, um, just like the Genesis when the fall came, it says, to dust you shall return. Death was alien concept uh, before sin came, and when sin came, and, uh, we, we understand that we will return to dirt, and dirt speaks of fallenness. It speaks of earthliness. It speaks of sin, and when Jesus is talking about washing them, he's not talking primarily about the dirt in their feet. He's talking about the sin in your soul. That Jesus Christ alone can cleanse you from the sin in your soul. Here we, from this passage, we understand there's two types of washing. And this, this happens. It, it happened when you were in those days and you went to someone's house, you would have a bath before you went. It might be something good you want to do these days as well. Okay? More people would invite you back. Okay, just to be a wee tip. Um, but. That's, they, they had a customary washing, complete washing, before they went to a feast at someone's house. But on the way there, they would get dirty feet. So when they arrived, they'd have to get their feet washed. You wouldn't need to wash the rest of them because they were completely clean. Because they'd, they'd been bathed. So what was happening is they, all they needed washed was their feet. And this is exactly what Jesus was alluding to with Peter. But there's a the bigger meaning, folks. When he said, you are completely clean... He was speaking about the power of his salvation in someone's life. Tim Keller said this God at the beginning said, Let there be light, let there be vegetation, let there be sun and moon and stars. But he couldn't just say, Let there be forgiveness. That's not the way it works. God created a world in an instant, and it was a beautiful process. But he recreated the world on the cross, and it was a horrible process. You see, what took place in the cross, folks, was God making human beings completely clean. That's what took place in the cross. There was a missionary called Claude Barlow. He was a doctor, a medical doctor. And he was in a particular part of China, and at the time when he was there, a disease had broken out in his region, and he was deeply concerned for the people that he'd given his life for and loved deeply. And as he was serving them, he, he was trying to research this disease, but he didn't have a laboratory where he was, where he was based, so he was very limited. But he took uh, scrupulous notes on the disease and how it spread, and then he, he organized a trip back uh, home, and he took with him samples of this virus. As he was about to arrive back in America, he took into his own body the disease that the people who'd been loving and serving had and then he handed himself in at Yale University and submitted himself to the, the man the, the professor in medicine who he himself had studied under and he said I've, I've, I've taken on this disease myself here's my journals and they did tests on him and they eventually at the risk of his own life he did this and, but they eventually managed to find a cure for the disease and he recovered and then he returned back to China and that vaccination brought salvation physically for thousands of people who were dying in his region when he was asked about what he was doing about what he did he said this anyone who had done the same thing i happened to be in a position of vantage and i had the chance to offer my body and you understand that when jesus christ died on the cross he was in a position of vantage you see jesus alone could have done what he did on the cross jesus alone was already completely clean and only someone who is completely clean can make you completely clean. Buddha can't make you completely clean because he was by no means completely clean. Mohammed could not cleanse you at all because he was in no ways cleansed himself. And he acknowledged that in the Quran. Jesus Christ, however, who was completely clean, was able and qualified to die in your place on the cross taking your sin taking the judgment that you and I deserve because of our sin dying in our place and thus becoming the mechanism by which you can be cleansed and made completely clean your faith in Jesus cleanses you totally i mean completely look what it says jesus says you are completely clean he said this to his disciples and he was talking about their faith in him and the act he was about to accomplish on the cross which made them completely clean and if you believe in jesus today if you i don't just mean yeah he's out there or there was a man called jesus i mean you personally put your faith in him as your savior, then according to God, you're completely clean. Yeah. E- wow. Even if, even if you've messed up, even if you make mistakes in the sight of God, you've been declared completely clean. It says in Hebrews 10, verse 14, for by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever. Say, made perfect forever. Say it again. Say, made perfect forever. Say it like this is such good news for you. Say, made perfect forever. forever. Those who are being made holy. You see, that's literally, if you put your faith in Jesus, you've been made perfect forever. Forever. That's the truth. Because his sacrifice, that one sacrifice for all people, makes people perfect forever. He didn't just pay for your past sin, but he paid for your present and your future sin. You've been made perfect forever. That's incredibly good news. So what's the bit about washing your feet? Because remember when people went to their houses, they washed completely in their bath and then they went to the feast. But in getting to the feast, they walked on dirty roads and got dirty feet. So they needed their feet washed. Well, what's that about? Well, here's what it's about. In the sight of God, if you've put your faith in Jesus, you have been made perfect forever. But as you're walking through this life, you will get dirty feet. As you interact with this world, you're going to get some mess. You're going to make some mistakes gonna have some stuff that you regret and you need that bit clean now in the sight of god you've been made perfect forever that's your eternal standing but sometimes you need your feet washed john first john 1 9 says if we confess our sins he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so we make mistakes but what we do is we expose our darkness and listen your mistake your sinning doesn't change your eternal circumstance in the slightest. Your eternal circumstance is based entirely on what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you on the cross, made perfect forever. You are completely clean. But as you walk through this life, you get dirty feet, and you need that constant cleansing, constant cleansing. Jesus answered Peter, look at the interaction. He said, if I do not wash you, you have no part in me. You see, when Jesus came into the world, yes, he, he wanted to demonstrate he was serving them by taking his robe off and speaking of his incarnation, speaking of how he wanted to wash their feet. And that's his agenda was to serve, right? But his agenda in serving wasn't just practical serving. It was the eternal serving that he did on the cross. The biggest thing, the biggest way that God served you was dying on the cross for you. God served you by doing that. And when he was saying to Peter, if you don't let me wash you, you have no part in me. What he's saying is this, if you don't let God serve you by, you by him purchasing your salvation, then you have no part with him. So if you say in your pride, I can save myself, you have no part with God. If you kind of say, well, I'm good enough without God, I don't really need to do this Jesus thing, you have no part with him. But if you, if you accept his serving on your behalf, if you accept what he's done for you, you are his. You are his for all eternity. That's the foundation. You're his. And then Jesus says to Jesus, you are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who was betraying him. This is incredible. Jesus knowing full well, one of my close friends who have given everything for, who I've fed and looked after for the last three years, is about to betray me and murder me. Now, I don't know about you, but if someone like that was in the room with me, and you tomorrow you're going to murder me. I wouldn't wash their feet. I'd wash their heads for a long time. You know what I think? Seriously. And I know you're more sanctified than me by on this, but listen, I would wash their heads fast, boom, in a shallow tray. But Jesus washed them. And this, this blows me away, because here's the truth when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for the people who would accept his sacrifice. He died for a ton of people. He died for the whole world. The sins of the world. Unlimited atonement was made on the cross at Calvary. Jesus made an unlimited atonement. Blood was shed to purchase for every human being who ever lived and ever will live salvation. Even though some of you in this room are currently rejecting him, Cara, some of you are betraying him. He still did it for you. I don't know how that makes you feel how can you keep living without him? How can you just keep living and doing your thing and ignoring him? Knowing that he did that for you anyway. So despite you, without you even asking him, he's done this for you. Even though he knew full well that currently as you're living, you're just living like he's not there. You're living like he's not there and you're pretending you're neutral with him, but you're not really on the fence with him. You're actually choosing your way and that's offensive to him. So come on, get off the fence, live for him. He and his love has served you with the greatest serving. He's made it possible for this salvation to be yours. Unless you let him serve you, you have no part of him. I think that's incredible. Paul Lee Tan speaks about him trying to express his love to his kid. And he said this, when I go home from here, <clears throat> I expect to take my baby on my knee, look into her sweet eyes, listen to her charming prattle, And as tired as I am, her presence will rest me. For I love that child with an unutterable tenderness. She loves me little. If my heart were breaking, it would not disturb her sleep. If my body were raked in pain, it would not interrupt her play. If I were dead, she would forget me in a few days. Besides this, she never brought me a penny. But instead, is a constant expense to me. I am not rich, but there is not enough money in the world to buy my baby. How is it? Does she love me or do I love her? Do I withhold my love until she knows how to love me? Am I waiting for her to do something worthy of my love before extending it? You need to understand, folks, that God in his eternal love for us didn't wait for us. That even while he knows full well currently, many of you are just currently rejecting, he's already paid the ultimate price for you. You say, well, what's God done for me? Well, what's God done for you? He's done the biggest thing for you. Bigger than any other person who's ever lived has done for you. He loves you. Don't stand against him anymore. Yield your whole life and future to him. Allow yourself to be loved by God. And you need to understand that just as when you look at the life of Jesus, yes, the disciples would say his death on the cross showed me that he loved me. But they would also say, if you ask those disciples, they would also say, see those three years I was with him, That also showed me that he loved me. Because you need to understand that, yes, the cross tells you he loves you. But you also need to understand, listen, he's with you today. And you need to understand that his interactions with you, his answering of your prayers, his constant commitment to you, even if you stray, demonstrate he actively loves you. Don't just theoretically 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross loves you. Today in your life. See, when we witness those miracles... That's an act of God's love. See, when you see God's hand upon you as you're going through crisis, that's actively God showing, I love you. It's not just theoretically 2,000-year-old love. It's today, active, God in your life today, walking with you. He loves you. Okay, then we move on to the, thirdly, the example that Jesus gives. This is verse 12. When he'd finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. For that is what I am. Now that I am your Lord and teacher, and I've washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master. Nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. A new commandment. So now that you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. I love this. You remember the, the very first verse we read? In, in this passage, it, it says, and this is from the Amplified Translation, he loved those who were his own in the world. He loved them to the last, to the very highest degree. He loved them to the very ends, in the Amplified it says, to the very highest degree. William Barclay says, translates it this way, to the ultimate limit. You need to understand that Jesus had a lot, a lot of love for his disciples. Incredible amount of love. Huge amount of love. But he defines for us love in a way that's so down to earth and so grounded. He didn't just have an emotion of love towards people. That resulted in action. You see, but it wasn't just an emotion on the inside. It was some, an emotion that resulted in an action. So to be Christ-like isn't just to feel stuff for people. I love them. But it's more than that. It's, I love them and I'm going to do something about them that's what it is to be Christ-like. He's giving us a, an example. He's not just having an emotion of love. He's modeling something to them that says, okay, that love has to result in action. You see, does this mean that we should, okay, let's get basins, here's one, uh, and, and wash each other's feet? Is that, is that what you're saying? Is that what we should all do at the end of the service? Like, we'll roll our trouser legs up, take our socks off, and this is the example Jesus has given us. So, okay, let's just do this. We'll wash each other's feet. Is that, is that what you're saying? Praise the Lord, no. <laughs> that would be grotesque. I know some churches do it, but I think it's horrendous. I really do. Uh, let me just make this very clear. Okay, that would really not be a bad move. That, sorry, that would be a bad move. <laughs> In the streets of Palestine, they were dusty streets. Okay, on a dry day, you had inches of dust that you were treading through all the time. If there'd been rain, you were walking through slush, liquid muds. Most people wore sandals. And every day, every, inside the door of every house there were big water pots where you'd wash your feet before you went in. That was practical in that day. That's why people washed their feet in those days. Today, it would just be a weird, awkward thing to do that would be utterly meaningless and completely unhelpful for the person, Really? Cause they probably washed their feet before they came out okay an analogy fell down some of you would wash your feet before you came out today um today washing feet would be an irrelevant thing it'd be strange but today there are things you could do that would make a practical difference okay so in those days you walk on dusty streets it makes a practical difference if you wash their feet today it's meaningless you might feel religious doing it but i'd rather not feel religious Today, there are many practical things you could, however, do to someone else in this room that would be actually very meaningful. So giving someone a lift to the service might be a meaningful thing to do. So cooking someone a meal might be a meaningful thing to do. Okay, so someone loses their job and they can't pay their rent. So you underwriting the rent for that month without anyone else knowing would be an incredibly meaningful thing to do. Now, we don't walk in dusty streets, but there's some things that affect our lives that if others become aware of that, then why don't you do something about that? And we always think the organization will do something about that or the church staff will do something about that. But as long as that's the mentality, we limit our impact and we limit our Christ-likeness. Really what God's calling us to do is we see the needs, we meet the needs. So someone's in hospital and you're aware of it, did you visit them? You're not aware anyone's in hospital? Do you know anyone? I mean, if, you, if you're not aware anyone's in hospital or anyone's in needs, maybe you haven't gone deep enough in the relationships here because if you dig a little bit, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't even take long. Just dig 10 minutes. You'll find plenty of needs in this gathering among these people. Demonstrate love. It's not just having an emotion of love. It's saying... I'm gonna do something about that. So Jesus said in verse 15, I have set an example that you should do as I have done to you. Okay, you remember who remember Simon says when you're a kid, right? <clears throat> Some of you who are younger don't get that because you don't have an app for it, okay? <laughs> uh, but you remember Simon says, okay, and what was Simon says? It would say, Simon says, Pat your head. So you, what you do, you'd you pat your head, okay? Um, so, like at home, I'll say to Becky, "Becky, clean your room." She did, she doesn't come back and say, like two hours later, "Daddy, I memorized what you said." You said, "Becky, clean your room." But that's what we do with God. God says stuff like, "Go make disciples," or, "Do as I have done to you," and we memorize it. Yeah, God, Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen. Go therefore into all the world and make disciples. Yeah, I memorized that. Do that. I don't care if you memorize it or not. Do that. So dad, I, yeah, dad, I, you said, Becky, go tidy your room. In fact, dad, I've I've written it down. And there's a pile of my friends coming around uh, and we're going to study what you said. (laughs) At my house. It's going to be great. I can say it in Greek, tidy your room. <laughs> Jesus said in verse 17, now that you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Right, horse and cart, chicken and egg, what comes first? Love comes first. We're not, we're not just looking, all right, get busy in the name of Christ. We're saying love people, love. Let, I mean, if, if the, what Christ has done on the cross inspires you, then channel it into love for someone else. Right? Wow, you did that for me. I don't have to worry about another thing. I'm completely clean. Don't need to worry about another thing in my life. So I'm just going to go ahead, because of that love, love someone else. And you might say, Well, I'm not feeling it, Pete. You don't have to. You don't have to. Because it's, this, this fruit of the Spirit is love, it's not fruit of your emotion. It's of the Holy Spirit who's taken up residence in your life, He wants to just love through you. You don't need to feel it. The feelings will come. But sometimes when you're not feeling it, you ought to love as well. And God, in his love, wants to love through you. Just be a channel for that love of God. Be a channel to let God do that loving thing through you and do the great acts that God wants to do through you. You see, there's got to be a right motive. Jesus served other people. He served those disciples. And he did it in one sense to demonstrate that God was taking on flesh to serve. He did it to let them know he was a servant. But he also did it to let them know they were special. That's beautiful. He didn't just do that to make some symbolic act to his disciples. He did that because he wanted them to know you're special. He wanted to treat them like kings. That's what he was doing. Paul writes in Romans 12, 10 and says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. So do things to people, not just to satisfy your sense of, oh, I've done something, or to satisfy your sense of, I am a servant. Forget you. Do things for people because you love them. To be devoted to one another and love, honor one another above yourself. Wow, I love them. I'm going to treat them special. So I'm I'm asking you all, including myself, to make a decision today to change our mindsets on how we view ourselves. Do you view yourselves just as someone to be served or do you view yourself as a servant how about from now on making it your job description in life okay I'm going to be a servant I'm going to be a servant I'm asking you to make that decision just before God can you right now make a decision I'm going to be a servant your whole agenda okay so I want it to be our lifestyle Not just the thing we do on Sundays, but our lifestyle. That you're thinking this way. So when you're interacting with each other, it's not just, I've done my serving for the week. You're thinking, as I'm interacting with each other, you're thinking, I can't not serve you. I can't not meet that need that I'm aware of now. That it's not just an official thing, it's part of our agenda as people. How do you serve? Well, there's needs. Seeing need and meeting needs is a good way to serve. That's exactly what Jesus was doing. Was Jesus' calling in life to wash feet? I don't think so. I think his calling in life was to save the world. But in that moment, they had dirty feet, so he washed their feet. So it's not demeaning to your big calling in life to do something, and sometimes it's outside your calling. You've just seen a need, so you meet the needs. But also, I would urge every single one of you To primarily serve in the area where you have strength and calling. It says in, let let me read you, in fact it doesn't say in the Bible, Aristotle said this. (laughs) And then I'll read what the Bible says, don't worry, don't worry, okay. Aristotle said, and I like this, where your talent and the need of the world cross, there lies your vocation. So when you see a need and you recognize I have a talent and that that talent can meet that need, right there in in the core is your calling. That's your bullseye. Do that. Flow with your gifts. Meet needs. That's the bullseye. Here's what the Bible says. Bible says it better than Aristotle. First Peter four verse ten. As each one has received a special gift, every single one of you in this room has received a special gift. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Use those special gifts that God has given you to serve someone else what has God given you? Serve your brothers and sisters. Okay, so let, I'm going to make it really practical right now. Serve in this church. If you've seen, if you, who saw the YouTube clip I sent out um, a couple of weeks ago? Anyone seen that? Okay, if you didn't see that, maybe it's on the Facebook page. It's certainly on the Twitter feed. What I'll do is I'll post it again on Twitter this afternoon. If you're, not, if you're able to go on the Twitter feeds and go on there, you'll see this clip. And basically, it's an appeal. I was appealing to every single person in the church. We have so many gaps uh, on our rotus. We need you very practically. I make no apology for asking this. We need help. We need people who are not currently serving to step up and serve. And if everyone, so what's happening just now is some people are. And because they are, but no one else is, they're carrying a lot of weight and it's putting them under undue pressure. And that's not loving for them. But some folks are not serving. And I'm, just, I'm not asking those who are already serving to carry more, because you're doing great. But I'm asking that we all have an ethos of serving. And I'm asking that if you're not serving, please help us here. We need help. Here's, here's the needs, let me just tell you. First of all, in Gorgi here, there are about 25 to 30 gaps on rotas. Uh, here are the biggest needs. Primary age kids need 10 volunteers to be on rotas. It doesn't mean you're volunteering every single week. It means that one in three or something like that, you'll be out of the service serving the kids. And I can't think of anything greater to do. Uh, stewards needs over six, about six plus additional volunteers. The cafe needs about five extra volunteers. I don't know about you, but as a parent, I appreciate people looking after my kids. I really do. I appreciate coming in the door and set out nice and it's and How did this get hoovered? Folks, we don't pay contractors to do this as volunteers. How did the leaflets get in the back of the seats? Who filled the pool? You know, How is it the urns available and free teas and coffees are there? All that stuff, all that stuff that makes you feel special, or certainly that's the agenda. We want to make you feel special. We want to treat you special. We want to give you a good welcome. We want to make it a nice environment. All that you love about what this environment is, that you would want it to continue to be, depends on volunteers. So... Maybe your time has come. We really need you to put your name down and serve. In Leith, there are also needs. There's about 40 gaps in Leith. Uh, We're looking for people to serve, but I realize you're here, so that means you're probably based in Gorgon. But if you're part of Leith campus, there's a need there as well. So here's a quick slide behind me. Make it really easy for you. If you want to sign up to serve today, even if you're not totally sure what area you want to serve in, if you're just saying, I want to do this, and I want someone on, like, if Graham will contact you, uh, and I want to talk to him about an area I could get involved with, then what you do is you text um, serve Gorgi, no spaces, all one word, to 07717-99000. That's 7717 Text serve Gorgi. If you're saying, I want to do that, then just take a moment. Just go for it. If your heads are down, that's okay. I'll just keep preaching. You, you don't listen to me usually anyway. It's fine. Serve. And as you serve, you will experience the hand of God. Uh, for me, I grew so much as I served. I, I lead a church now, sure. But before I led a church, I was in kids' ministry. I served in a stewarding team and I served on the evangelism team. That's what I did in Destiny Glasgow. And that, for me, was part of what prepared me for leading a church. So actually, there are stepping stones. And there will be the ultimate, sure. But get moving. Get moving with something that God's got for you. And serve also in your city. Let, let, let this not just be an official thing, oh, I'm on a rota. But beyond that, serve in this city. Love this city. When you see your neighbors struggling, when you see people around you in your community at work in needs, go meet their needs. Demonstrate the love of God in practical ways. So let's get out of our comfort zones and live this way. Do you know what strikes me about Jesus? Listen to this, folks. This was the night before he was crucified. He's thinking about the needs of his disciples the night before he was crucified. I'm blown away by that. I mean, seriously, I, I don't know about you, but if I was going to die tomorrow, I wouldn't be thinking about the practical needs of the people around me. I'm just not as spiritual as that, but Jesus was. He was thinking about their needs the night before he was crucified. And then he went through the crucifixion and what was going on. I, on the cross, he was thinking about the thief. On the cross, he was thinking about his mum. On the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them. If for they don't know what they do, he was thinking about their forgiveness. Incredible. Wow. This is our Savior. This is our Lord. This is our example. That he was about love, and love resulted in action. And that's what Jesus is demonstrating to us here. Bill Hybel said this. I, could ne- I would never want to reach out someday with a soft, uncalloused hands. A hand that had never been dirtied by serving and shake the nail pierced hand of Jesus I'm not trying to I don't want to guilt folks into serving I'm just saying very practically there's a huge need and theologically it sits really well that if he loves us this much and if we love back it's got to go more than an emotion but practically organically seeing a need meeting a need but also practically on rotas we need your help if we love the kids in this church, we need some people to serve in the kids' ministry. If we, love the, uh, if we love everyone else around us and they think they need coffee, if you think they need coffee, then we've got to serve in the catering team. If the things in this church you love, folks, please step up. Become a participator. And, and know that the one who will be enriched from it will be yourself. Let's pray. So God, we say thank you. Thank you for the incredible love you have for us. Jesus, thank you for that love that uh, in those moments you gave yourself. You gave yourself unreservedly to a world, a world which wasn't thanking you, a world which wasn't loving you, and yet you did that for us. Jesus, thank you. You served by ultimately dying on the cross and rising again. You served our greatest need, and the greatest need was to be cleansed from the dirt, not other than the dirt of the road, but the dirt of our sin, the dirt of our humanity. And you make us clean because of Jesus, so we can be saved. So God, we give ourselves to you today as servants. Okay, so in God's presence, I'm asking everyone here, will you make a decision to be like Jesus today? In his presence, will you decide, I'm going to be a servant. That's going to be the agenda of my life. Go for it. Just make that decision in his presence just now. people are praying maybe you're here today and you've never experienced this cleansing you need to know that without your permission he did serve you by dying on the cross for you he's paid the ultimate price to save you and in his love he's asking you to come to him today Will you let him serve you by being your savior? Will you accept what he has done for you? Will you allow him to be the Lord of your life and then commit yourself to being a follower of him for the rest of your days? There's nothing greater, absolutely nothing greater you could do with your life. That's you today, you're saying, Peter, want to give my life to God, then you pray this prayer with me just now. Just under your breath, repeat this after me. Pray, dear God, thank you for your love for me. Thanks, Jesus, for your death and the cross. Thanks for your resurrection. Thank you that because of you I can be clean, forgiven, and I can be in relationship with you for the rest of my days. day I commit my life to you lead me I pray be the Lord of my life I believe you resurrected Jesus and I'm going to be your follower for the rest of my days thanks for hearing my prayer Today's message has helped you. If you want to find out more about us as a church, download more audio teaching, give us feedback, or make a contribution to our ongoing work and mission here in Edinburgh, please visit our website at destinyedinburgh.com. May God continue the great work that he is doing in your life.